Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited that you're here. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Before we get to our show today with Sally, I want to thank one of our partners for today, and that is EM Jewelry Design. After graduating with a BFA in jewelry design and metalsmithing from Texas Tech University, Ellen Moat found a job working for a jewelry designer in Portland, Oregon. However, when her husband's job led them to Waco, Texas, it became clear to her that if she wanted to continue working in the jewelry industry, she was going to have to do it on her own. Ellen started EM Jewelry Design in the fall of 2015 and has since launched her original pieces on her webpage, emjewelrydesign.com. And she's been featured in the Magnolia Journal as one of Joanna Gaines' gift guide picks. Ellen's heart behind her work is to encourage, inspire, and empower women to pursue their own God-given passions. I love that she took something where she had to make up her own decisions and make her own company, and now she's rocking it. Way to go, Ellen. Right now, Ellen is offering 10% for you listeners on your next purchase. Uh, Just use the code HAPPYHOUR. That's emjewelrydesign.com. Okay, friends, you are listening to episode number 127, and my guest today is Sally Clarkson. Sally has written numerous books on mothering, and her most recent book is called Different, the story of an outside-the-box kid and the mother who loved him. She co-authored this book with her son, Nathan, and in this book, they are both vulnerable and transparent on all levels with you all as a reader. I read the book this fall, and I devoured it. I really, really did. I loved her honesty, and as a mama who parents outside-the-box kids, which really, guys, don't we all have outside-the-box kids, and aren't we all outside-the-box people sometimes? Yes. So as a mom who parents outside-the-box kids, like you do, and our parents did, I appreciated her words so much. Also, when we recorded this episode, y'all, Sally was preparing to be a guest on a show that is a bucket list for me. Like, it is on my bucket list. I want to be on this show. If you've listened, you probably know where I'm going here, but you'll have to listen, and you can see what I'm talking about. Um, I also would love for one of these people to be on my show. Oh, all of the feelings when she told me she was doing that. Also, guys, don't forget Happy Hour Live is almost a month away and we are getting so excited. I cannot wait for you to see everything we have planned for you. It's going to be such a fun night. You can get tickets over at jamieivy.com slash events. Right now, the Saturday event is sold out, which is super exciting. Who knows if we'll put a few more tickets up there at the end. You know, I'm like a sucker and someone will email and say, I wanted to come so bad. And then I feel bad. But right now it's sold out. But there are still tickets available for Friday night, March 10th. And you're going to want to come to Austin because Austin's the place to be. Right? Right? Okay, guys. Here is my conversation with Sally. Hey, Sally. Welcome to the happy hour. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you today. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Um, I'm excited to talk with you. We have several mutual friends. And so I've known about you for a while. And... I have to admit, I've read two books of yours now, um, one most recently, but I want to talk to you about something else real quick before we jump into that. Well, you know what? How about this? How about you tell everyone, tell everyone who you are, uh, and then we'll jump into something that I literally cannot wait to ask you about. So tell everyone who you are. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Sally Clarkson, and I'm uh, just so happy to be here today. I have four kids. I love to write. I love my friends, and I'm so excited to be with you today. (laughs) How many books have you written? Uh, This is my uh, 13th. 13 books. How old were you when you started writing books? I was uh, 44. I love that story so much because I know that there are a lot of like young mamas listening who feel like they just have something burning inside of them. And so it's super encouraging to hear someone say, hey, I didn't start writing books. I was 44. And look, look what I've done. I was so busy (laughs) raising kids. 
<laughs> you know, um, you and uh, I have a mutual friend, Sarah May, and I uh-huh. wrote a book with her, and um, we've talked a lot about this because I think that you have more to write about if you've failed a little bit, succeeded a little bit, uh, changed your attitudes, gone through ideals, and uh, you, you kind of gain messages as you go. So I feel like, um, you know, if you're going to be a writer, write till you die. So. Oh, I like that. And I heard someone say also one time that if you're not living life, you have nothing to write about. Exactly. And that's what Sarah May and I've talked about, that you, you have to really live life to be able to have a story to tell. It's so true. And you write a lot about mothering and making your home a place um, of peace and discipleship. And so did you feel like you almost had to get through that? Did you, did you start writing when you had kids at home still? Because I know you had one daughter later than the others. Am I right about that? Yeah, I did. I, I didn't even get married until I was a little bit older. And I had my first child when I was uh, almost 31. And uh, my background was I had worked in Eastern Europe and communist countries and opened up ministries there and uh, discipled women and worked with great people. And so when I finally got married, finally had a child. I'd never babysat, never changed a diaper in my life. I Are thought, you serious? No. Oh my goodness, no. And so I was holding my little ones in my arms and I thought, oh wow, this is what discipleship is about. I can I can pass on a legacy to them of an excitement about living their lives for the kingdom. So it wasn't from any great knowledge of motherhood or parenting. It was more experience in missions and seeing how important lives could be in changing the world. So that's kind of how I came to all these books was all uh, these books through just living life. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So I want to talk about some of your books and I would love to hear about even a little bit your time in Eastern Europe, but first, very first, I need to tell you that I am giddy with excitement that tomorrow you are going to be on with Kathy Lee and Hoda. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm excited, too. I'm it's like a so bucket list of mine. I'm oh, so really? excited for you. Yes. Isn't that crazy that that is like would bring me so much excitement? Well, I'll just have to pray that happens. <laughs> I know. Are you excited? I really am. I've done a few um, television and, and things like this before. And uh, so it's really going to be a lot of fun to be there with Nathan. And uh, I've just heard great things about her. A friend of mine that was just on her show just wrote me a sweet note this morning. And so it's just fun to be here and um, it'll probably be three or four minutes, but we just feel so honored to be able to talk about our new book on her show. That's amazing. And I, a dream of mine also is to have Kathy Lee on my podcast. So oh. um, I know I would love to have her on my show, but so you are in New York city with your son, Nathan. I want everyone to know when you said Nathan, that's your son and you and your son, Nathan just recently released a new book called different. Right. Um, and I read this book. Man, when did I read this, Sally? I can't remember. Was it probably in the fall? In the fall. Okay, so I read this book and devoured it. In fact, this morning I was looking for my um, copy that I had, which a lot of times when we get pre-release books, it's literally in a big. What? How would you even describe it? It's like a big book almost. Yeah, it's not, yeah. yeah. It's not a book like we I have in my hands right now. So I was looking all over my house for my big copy that I read um, because I have notes everywhere in it. Um, because I devoured this book um, because um, the tagline of the story is the story of an outside the box kid with a mom who loved him. Um, mm-hmm. And it like even when I say that out loud, you can hear my voice. It makes me get teary eyed because Aww. I have some outside the box kids. And so yeah. I just remember reading your words and your son Nathan's words. Those mm-hmm. were just like even more precious to my heart because mm-hmm. um, for us mamas that are parenting kids that 
and different is a wide range. You know, we have sure. all kinds of different. Um, your words were so good to me. And so I want to I want to start off, first of all, and ask you the question of who thought of this first, you or Nathan? And how did you all approach this together as a mom and son relationship and writing about some of the struggles that you both endured mm-hmm. um, in Nathan's growing up years? Well, I was honored uh, that Nathan came to me, and uh, Nathan has a lot of different letters, a lot of different issues, but um, he just loves people and has compassion on uh, people with their needs and all the things that are going on in their lives. And uh, he had produced a movie called Confessions of a Prodigal Son, and uh, it kind of, for some reason, hit really big, and it went to Netflix, and he sold a bunch in Walmart, different things. He started getting letters from people all over the world when they found out that he did have some issues. And they said, wow, how did you ever find success in your life with dealing with, you know, private issues in your life, you know, and uh, different things like OCD and learning disabled areas. And so he said, Mom, he said, we really need to write a book that tells our story, how we made it, what was hard for me, what was hard for you, because he said, I think it could be a great encouragement to people all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if we write it, I've got to be able to tell some really hard stories. And he said, well, that's the whole point, so that people won't feel like they're the only ones that struggle. Mm-hmm. So it was his idea, and I have loved doing it because uh, I always kind of protected my kids. from. I, I wanted their stories to come out when they wanted them to, while mm-hmm. still being able to share some of the biblical ideals that I believe in. And so... There will be a lot of things in this book that will come out about us that people have never read before, but I hope will greatly encourage them. You know, it was a great encouragement because I think that these types I've read just a handful. I could probably count on one hand of books by Mm -hmm. mothers. and, And granted, your son is older and I'm thinking of another book I've read where her son is still younger, where it seems like it's just the word I can use is just real. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I feel like that is such a hard balance to find. And I loved how you described um, you telling Nathan, hey, I'm going to have to say some things that kind of are hard and personal about our family um, mm-hmm. and the maturity that he had because he was older to say, well, yeah, that's how people know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I felt as I read this book. I thought, man, I'm not alone, you know, and yeah. I was texting some of my other girlfriends who we also have kids who are just out of the box and. I was literally screen taking pictures of entire paragraphs, sending them to them to just say, y'all, look at this. Look at this. It's such so precious stuff. Um, What were some of the heart like when you wrote this book? Mm -hmm. Because I personally am writing a book about things in the past. And so sometimes when I write things, I it brings me back to those moments. Right. And so as you were writing your parts of this story of going back to some of those hard times when Nathan was, um, you know, a preschooler and a toddler and then in teenage years. What were some of the hardest moments to write about? Uh, I think that there, it it did make me uh, tear up quite a few times because I think that this journey with our, uh, with all of our kids, all of our kids are different, but, and have different personalities and we all feel inadequate. And I think a lot of times we stuff our insecurities and our failures because there's such pressure to be high performance and to do it right. And, there isn't a right way, but I think that the hardest part for me, um, maybe in writing it, was going through some of the things that I feel like Nathan had to bear mm-hmm. that were very sad for me, uh, that were very uh, heartbreaking in the sense of re-realizing that he 
felt alone and that he felt different Mm. and that he couldn't do anything about it. I think that sometimes when our children, uh, whether you call it misbehave or, or, or act in ways that we don't understand and we wish that they would either be correctable or we we're trying to figure it out. I think sometimes we think that our children are doing things, uh, on purpose to, uh, you know, just to get to either to, uh, rebel against us or I don't know what. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I realize now that so much of Nathan's life, he couldn't help what was happening. There was Mm -hmm. a, a, motor inside of him that was on high all the time revving up Mm -hmm. and uh going through some of that really caused me to have sympathy for him again and always of course wishing i had done it better (laughs) yeah you guys in january of 2024 i made a commitment to myself i wanted to get stronger which meant i needed to get in the gym which means i needed to move my body in different ways you guys know i love to walk Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I guess that's like... You know, I was just actually just talking with a girlfriend of mine this morning on Voxer and she was talking about her son and she's like, "His we there's a term called like your engine's kind of hot, like you, you can't really calm down. Right. And she's like, he's running on hot all the time, like his engine's yeah. always hot. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm even, you know, I've been parenting for 13 years and I am, this is what's the hard part. And you just mentioned it a little bit is 13 years in, I think I'm just now sometimes starting to grasp what you just mentioned. Yeah. That... Sometimes when I look at my kid, I want uh, my kids, I want immediate behavior modification, right? Yeah, And we just exactly. want them to act the right way. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm starting to look at some of my kids and realize that I, I'm not just starting this. I figured this out a while ago, but man, I fail a lot. It's like I have to parent all four of my kids so differently. Yeah, I think that's the illusion <sighs> is that any of our children are the same. You know, they're introverts and extroverts and some are developmentally ahead and some are developmentally behind and then all of us are sinful yes (laughs) you throw it all in the mix and it's uh, I think that motherhood is this marathon and it's harder than you think 
And, uh, you know, you do get exhausted along the way and it can really bring out your, uh, some of your weakest areas and yet to walk it with grace and to persevere and just to see the hearts of your children in the midst is such a challenging thing. Mm. So when you were parenting, um, your four kids at home, you just mentioned something that, and we were talking about how parenting each kids differently. How was it, um, that you and your husband, what are some things like that you practically thought about doing to parent your kids differently? Um, you know, I know at my house, for example, a lot of kids will get um, different forms of discipline or punishment. Um, and I've had some of my kids say, well, that's not fair. Why is why is that happening to them and this to me? And, you know, it's just a conversation that we have at our house a lot about like, you know, everybody's different and mm-hmm. everybody needs different things and everybody um, you know, taking away someone's privilege for a TV affects some kids. And one of my kids is like, I don't care, whatever, you know, and so yeah, exactly. there's a different discipline there. Um, what are some things, cause I have a lot of young mamas that listen to this show. What are some things that you guys practically thought about when you were disciplining all four of your kids in different ways? Yeah. Uh, you know, all my kids said that they hated it when one of them got in trouble because all of them got the lecture. you know because uh you know i I use this as an example but it seems like my kids always wanted to act out when i was at sam's or some kind of big department store for sure yeah and uh i was an equal opportunity mom i just said you know it's one for all and all for one we are a gang and everybody's gonna hear the lecture but um i i we kind of raised our kids saying you know life isn't fair i -hmm. love you i'm doing the best i can uh but I'm going to treat each of you with the same respect and honor that I think your personality needs. But uh, I think that uh, one of our, I, I don't know, Hallmarks probably as a, as a family, as a ministry, as writers, is that Clay and I are really out-of-the-box parents. We parent differently. We, uh, we really would see all of our children. We tried to look in their heart. Heart is mentioned over 800 times in Scripture, and we tried to say, what is their personality? What drives them? What thrills them? What captivates their interest? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And we made plans every year for each child uh, what area we were going to work with that child on that year. And we tried uh, really to not measure them by in-the-box standards, whether Mm -hmm. it was academics or what they should be achieving or certain lessons that they needed to take. But we tried to go in the direction of their interests and our our puzzle as a family. And we kind of live very freely and by faith with each individual child. And I think a lot of parents have trouble releasing expectations and performance issues with their kids. And I think that if you don't give those expectations up, if you want your child to be a certain way, you're going to always be disappointed. Golly, that is so true. And I feel like the expectations they're screaming around us. I mean, yeah. everywhere you look, I feel like this is what our kids are supposed to look like, um, whether right, that be right. online or just like voices of we find our approval as a mom sometimes mm-hmm. by if our kids look and act a certain way. Yeah. Um, and so fr- from your aspect, did you ever struggle with giving up that approval? I don't know for me if it was approval as much as comfort. Mm. Um, because I'm kind of an out of the box, uh, person myself. And I realized that in writing the book again, that I always felt a little bit, uh, pushed down and stuffed, uh, into a box by some of the circumstances of my own family. But I think it's just that I am, uh, a personality type that kind of likes civility and I like honor and I like 
relationships to be good and strong. And my kids pushed my buttons because they, uh, you know, they would fuss or the extroverts would get mad at the introverts or, you know, you're trying to read this great, fantastic, inspiring story. And one of the kids says, he touched my toe. Oh my or, gosh. You know, yes. <laughs> he was on my side of the couch and you think I was just going to make you into a great person. And, <laughs> and he pushed me again. And, um, so for me, it was probably more, uh, could you just, you know, know that I meant to bless you today and you are drawing out one more lecture again, and it's your fault. So it was kind of more of a, uh, I just thought if my kids would just know how much I love them and be be good for one day, I could be such a mature mom. Oh, right. Couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would just do what we wanted them to do. Yeah. So I, I feel like my maybe my selfishness buttons or gosh, I just wish you guys could just conform to me for once buttons. But um, yeah, I just struggled with myself because I had never been taught to be unselfish. Oh, and that's what motherhood does for you. I always say all the time that um, God... Like I had to be a mom and I had to be a mom specifically to some of my kids so that I would know how much I needed Jesus. Like, because I think some of my kids in a weird way, I would have parented very smoothly and we would have had like struggles. Obviously this parenting gig is not easy, Mm -hmm. but then some of my kids, like you said, they push my buttons. They bring out all of these sin tendencies in me. And I'm like, God, you had to do this, didn't you? This was this is for me. You're making me better, right? And so it's yeah. just funny how that happens with our kids. It's so true. It, I mean, I, I thought I was very spiritual when I was a missionary in Eastern Europe during the communist years. <laughs> and then I had my children and, and suddenly I turned into this sinful person. <laughs> so yeah, it took my kids to, to show me what I was really like. Oh, Have you had to apologize to your kids for some things? Oh, have I ever had to apologize? <laughs> I, I couldn't even count the times. But I, I think that's a part of a, a real parent is mm. training your kids in the direction you want them to go and say, look, I am growing too. I am learning too. Would you forgive me for being ballistic yesterday? And mm. yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's a part. I think that one of the things, if I could say anything that this book is about and that my whole life is about, is that uh, unconditional love is the foundation to me of all mentoring of giving the, a stable, secure place that at the end of the day, my kids know that I love them. I know that they love me and that we will always move forward by grace because there is a secure foundation that we have laid as a family. And mm. uh, I think that sometimes people think it's the rules they keep or the way they, they discipline or should I spank or not? Should I do this or not? And I really think that a secure foundation for growing healthily begins with committing to I want you to know that every day, no matter what, I will always love you. Mm. And um, that's kind of been the the healing and the strengthening factor in our own family's lives. That's really good. And it feels like that, we, you know, we want our kids to just have this safe place that they know they feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're um, one of my kids was just talking about this with a, with another um, mentor in their life about, you know, where do you feel the safest, you know? And it's funny, as they said, um, that it was this vacation that we went, we went on one time. We stayed in this house and we just, we had unplugged. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. unplugged and we were just in it like family 24 mm-hmm. seven, um, which just isn't reality in real life. You know, I get that because there's school and jobs and stuff. But this week we had just unplugged and it was just our family. And it's interesting that that is where he is. Felt, that's one of his safe places that he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look back when he, when my child said that, and it made me really think like, 
man, it is so important that my kids feel safe in our home. And not that he doesn't feel safe in our home, but it just made me think about what was happening in that environment, Mm -hmm. that it is, it is embedded in his heart as someplace that he felt really safe. And it was just that his parents were really like engaged in him, you know, and for him. And there was no other distractions um, Mm -hmm. in his world. Um, I want to talk real quick. You said something earlier that I think is really interesting and really hard as a mom. And you mentioned um, really focusing on the different strengths that each of your kids brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have four kids. I have four kids. I have so many friends these days with four kids. I feel like people are having more kids <laughs> again these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I read something that you said recently and you said, I had to accept each child with their weaknesses, strengths, and personalities. Mm-hmm. Then my heart was more open to seeing what mattered for eternity, preparing the soil of my children's heart so that seeds of faith would grow there and that they would want to love God for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about really looking at each child, what I'm hearing is um, as a mom, this is a lot of intentional work that you're putting forth. Um, what do you, I feel like sometimes in the world we live in, we can get caught up with Mm -hmm. not putting in all that work. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. And I I could go on in the subject forever, but I do feel like our culture gives us permission to do anything as though all choices are equal. And, uh, I really believe that when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to say to us, I entrusted these little human beings into your hands whose lives will have an impact for eternity. How are you the hands of my love to them? How are you the words of my love to them? Because I wanted you to raise them so they would love me. What did you do to make that a faithful Mm. work in your life? And I think that our culture undermines and uh, maybe undervalues the uh, importance of us raising real human beings for the glory of God, that one of the most important works of worship that we will ever do is to shape and form and take care of these precious human beings that we will have to answer to Jesus for someday. Because when I look at his life, I I am amazed that uh, he says, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends, uh, for his friend. And uh, I see that Jesus came from the throne of heaven to walk in the in the roads with common people, to kneel on the dirty floor and to wash 120 man toes, and to say, uh, accept those children into your arms, as I do. And so I feel like it wasn't out of nobility that I came to an understanding that it was profoundly important for me to really look at my children as the story I was writing, no matter what I did in the world, no matter how many people I impressed, that uh, the best story I would ever write would be that which was hidden in my home. And uh, I, I do believe sometimes there are messages out there today that make women think that there are many other things that are more important. And I think it's possible for a woman to live into her capacity by doing many things. But in the home is where your integrity is is born and shaped and stretched and challenged. And I really believe it's on the heart of Christ that we be faithful in that area. Mm. Do you see, did you ever struggle with any of your kids? Um, like, and, and you don't have to answer this question because it's your kid's story as well, but kind of questioning the faith that you were portraying for them. Oh yeah. You wonder, is it going in? Am I uh-huh. doing the right thing? And what should I emphasize? And, uh, I think probably my life helped me because I had a little bit of difficulty feeling accepted. Uh, I didn't feel unconditionally accepted for whatever reason. I had fine parents and a fine family, but I was very careful 
to see that inside themselves for who they were with all their warts, with all their uh, strengths and weaknesses, that they would know that I saw something beautiful there because I had needed to have somebody see that in my own life. Mm. And uh, Mm. so I I both struggled with who they were as well as wanted that to be what they felt because I thought, how can they really know the unconditional love of God if if they haven't felt the unconditional love in our relationship, which is Mm. a, a model to them of what Christ is like. That's so true. You do a lot of mom conferences for moms um, Mm -hmm. and encouraging mothers um, so well. Um, One of the things I recently saw that you said was um, encouraging moms to to make this a plan to live a sustainable life amidst the difficulties that come with parenting these children. And you said that this is actually a necessity to avoid burnout Mm -hmm. and to make your home a source of life for everyone who lives there, including you. Do you see a lot of moms these days just working themselves to the bone and then they realize that they're actually burnt out on life, motherhood, marriage, all these things? Um, and they're just not they don't have a sustainable way to pour into their kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that we get to the point of empty and then we start yelling or, or being impatient. We wonder what's wrong or where God has gone. And I think that we were never meant to live this way. We were supposed to have communities, neighbors, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandmas, uh, right in our own backyard who would take care of our kids with us, who would Mm. relieve us, who would let us sleep, who'd bring us a meal, who would invest in our children. And I think we've gotten used to a way of life that God never intended, living isolated lives by ourselves, totally responsible, having to be on every day, morning, noon, and night. And uh, I remember when I was in my 40s, I, uh, I was writing a book. I was taking care of my asthmatic every single night. She had nocturnal asthma, so she'd wake up from one to three every night. I had, oh my gosh, uh, that's teen- exhausting. I know. I'm tired teen- thinking about it. Yeah, well, and I, I was just in this, I, I was you know, getting to a physical point of exhaustion and not feeling well, and this doctor said to me, well, you can die early if you want to, but you have to, you have to choose to make your own life sustainable because you are on a long-distance run, girl, And, um, so I began to realize then that I needed to set boundaries. I needed to have regular times where I had fun, uh, regular times where I could spend time with the Lord and, uh, take off some time during the week, no matter what I hadn't gotten done. I, I take Sundays off. I, you know, from Saturday night until Sunday night, I enjoy life, do fun things, eat chocolate, whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, so I do think that a wise woman is is the woman who owns the boundaries and the strength of her life. And mm. if you see yourself getting to a danger point, you need to talk to yourself and say, okay, what is this telling me about my body, my mind, my heart, my soul? And what do I need to do to see that I get uh, strengthened again so that everybody who draws from me will draw riches, not poverty? It's so good because I feel as though it's so easy to just run ourselves to the ground mm-hmm. um, with doing great things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where a lot of women can decide, well, how do I say no to good things? You know, and I think, you know, we I hear people talk about it all the time on this show and we say it all the times that when you say yes to something, you're saying um, no to, you know, something else. And so mm-hmm. it's trying, it's a matter of finding out what are my yeses going to be. Um, and as a woman, I think sometimes we only put our yeses into our kids. Um, and our kids, like you said, they're our greatest people that we're discipling. 
Um, but we have to have yeses for ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have a good girlfriend right now who she just had a new baby and another, another girlfriend of Mars, we're all three mutual friends. And every time I talk to my other friend, my new, my, my friend with this new mom is at her house sleeping while she holds her baby. I'm like, that is just the best thing ever. And I'm so jealous that you're holding that baby all the time, but I'm also so thankful um, for that community that is surrounding this new mom saying, hey, just come over and sleep. I'll hold your baby, you know, yeah. and so it's giving her margin to rest so that when she's mm-hmm. awake, she's she's a great mom. You know, well, actually, that's why we started our conferences and we we do small groups uh, for moms. We try to encourage them to because I think a woman alone in her own home without a friend uh, is a target of Satan, of discouragement. Mm, yeah. And, um, you know, two are better than one. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I think that in an isolationist culture, learning to cultivate friends, even if you're the one that has to start the group, have a few friends over, meet at a coffee shop, make a regular time so that you can have fun, pray for each other, share each other's burdens, because that's how we were intended to live well, with a community of like-minded people who loved us, knew us you know, with every possible strength and weakness and still loved us and would be there for the long run. And you have to make that a goal and you have to invest in people for a long period of time for that to happen. Yeah. And I think it has to be a proactive goal, too. You know, Sally, like thinking yes. I'm not going to let myself get all the way to the bottom. Right. Because um, when we get to the bottom, it's sometimes hard to pull ourselves up because we feel as though we're at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I really love when I, I don't get to do it very much often anymore, but going to speak to mops groups because it's just these women who are mothering all these preschoolers yes. and they just get to show up one day a week without their kids and have breakfast. And they're just so sweet and so cute. And so I love that. I mean, I remember when I had little kids, mm-hmm. I never went to Chick-fil-A so much in my whole life because they had a playground <laughs> there and my kids yeah. could eat and yeah. my friends and I could sit and talk and eat. And it was just you know, you just find those ways to get connected to people. And everyone, when you have kids, you want to get out of the house, right? I mean, yeah. just go someplace. Exactly. And I, I would see, even for myself, that when we had been in the house too long, we live in Colorado, and, you know, when the snow is there, you're just stuck for so long. And uh, even when I lived overseas, I would throw the kids into the tram and we would, or the subway, and we would go downtown. There was this big hotel, and I would let them run the length of the lobby, pretending I didn't know who they were, uh, <laughs> you know, just so they could get their little energy out. Uh, because That's hilarious. We, we bothered each other less when the kids had a place to run and be and have fun, and then we could go home and be okay again. But I, yeah. I think it's so important to figure out what are those anchors in your week and in your days so that you can run this long-term marathon and do it well. Mm, yeah, and sometimes it also has... Um, you know, having people show you what, where they see weak areas in your life where that might fall to pray. Yeah. Um, I know that's been given for me and some people, maybe your husband has, you have a relationship. Hopefully maybe your husband can bring up something like that and be on board to make margin for you also to get some break as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I read this quote recently um, from your book and it was actually a part that Nathan wrote. And when I read it, I thought of so many mamas that might read this and think this could be inside my kid's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, why was I always getting in trouble when others were able to just be good? Was mm-hmm. I bad? Was I messed up? Did God make a mistake when he created me? Mm-hmm. I would wonder these things, wishing I could just be normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read that and I thought, man, I wonder how many of our kids have these thoughts playing in their head, but they just don't know how to say that out loud. Right. When did Nathan start verbalizing those thoughts to you? Really not until the past few years. I think that uh, he's an extrovert and 
kind of a very uh, powerful, you know, type of kid. And I think that as I look back now, I realize that he was feeling a lot of those things. He was thinking those thoughts, but I didn't know they were there. Mm. And so I'm so glad that he wrote that because I think a lot of the times uh, moms attribute uh, the wrong motives to their children as though mm-hmm. they're, you know, doing things on purpose to be bad. But I think that um, one of the things that helped me was eventually, it was it was much later in his life, like when he was 14 or 15, uh, one of the people that was assessing some of Nathan's issues said that most of us have this ability to uh, confine our focus to the person who's talking to us or, you know, the meal that we're cooking or whatever. But that Nathan was firing on every issue. Like if I was talking with him, he was hearing the car passing by outside, the bird that was singing, the dog that mm. was scratching his little leg, the um, child that was moving. And so his brain didn't have as much opportunity to focus. And the only way as he could really express that as an immature young child was with frustration. Mm. And uh, so I, I was glad Nathan wrote that because I think that we need to see our children as those kids who want us to look inside and see the hero within and to speak forward. I know this is hard, but I think you're going to champion you know, music or you're going to tell great stories or we need to give our children hope so that they can feel successful mm. at some of the things that they do. And I know Nathan, even in the Rook wrote that he loved being able to come home and be as loud and as questioning and as debating as he could be because he needed home to be the place where we liked the person that God had made him to be. Mm. And that's, that's what all of us need. We, we yeah. all need someone to know us and still like us. That's so true. I need that, right? I do too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Please know me and still like me yeah, after I'll you know everything about me. <laughs> um, so you, you kind of address what my follow-up question was going to be is, if you just heard him express these um, thoughts that he was having, you know, at an older age that he was actually feeling at a younger age. My question for you is talking to us mamas who may think, man, is this is this my child? You, you just did, you did just say, like, find something to encourage them in to grow in in that area. Do you have anything else that you would tell us? Like, like, what would you have done differently had you known those thoughts were in his head? Well, I did a lot of things by faith that I think reached his heart. Uh, I, I would notice what he loved, and then I would try to give him ways to do that. I always had dress-up clothes because he loved imagining stories. He loved hero tales. And I would tell him he was going to be a hero, and then I would give him a little plastic sword and a cape and say, go out and save your world. You know, you mm. have 15 minutes to play as much as you can. And um, we always tried to find things that our children were good at and not – over-focus on the things that they had difficulty in. So uh, we gave Nathan um, magic tricks, you know, like sleight of hand. And he did magic show parties for kids at birthday parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we gave him uh, tennis because he was he was uh, coordinated with certain things and uh, he could excel at those things as opposed to small hand-eye um, things. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we, we took our kids to many interesting places and hands-on places and adventuresome things. They traveled with us all over the world because we felt like there was a lot more to life than just sitting still and uh, filling out multiple-choice questions or fill-in-the-blank um, mm-hmm. you know, papers uh, in school or, or at home. But 
you know, I've gone on so long now, I don't remember the question. <laughs> well, I just love, I, I've seen you do that um, in just all of your kids because they're all doing different things in their mm-hmm. world and you've really zoned in on what they're doing. And and that's something that just over the, I would say the past year or two that Aaron, my husband, I have started doing with some of our kids is really mm-hmm. just finding, hey, we see this in you and we think it could be something and letting them have the ability to explore that and and do things with that. And I know that we could do so much more, but I do see that that's something we've been doing. And as we've been doing that to some of our kids in particular, we've mm-hmm. seen them blossom. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just knowing, hey, I can do this and my mom and dad believe in me. Good for um, you. And I think that goes a long ways, you know, for, for our little kids' hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just want to tell you, Sally, I, um, I, I want this book to get in a lot of mama's hands because... Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that you're going to encourage um, people who are parenting all kinds of out of the box kids. I mean, this goes from the the range that this goes is so wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's mostly to me, it was such an encouragement to feel like someone knew what I was walking through mm-hmm. um, and just to see like the other side. And although I can't see the future, I don't know where any of my four kids are going to end up. I just pray to God that, you know, that that they follow him. Um, and so love it. And I'm going to put links up in all of my webpage and stuff for the book. Um, so thank you so much for talking about that. Okay, friends, before we get back for our conversation with Sally, I want to also thank one of our other partners for the show. And that is Noonday Collection. I'm a fan of Noonday. And right now they have a spring line that is launching February 16th. That's next Thursday. Their brand new line launches, which is super fun to see a new line come out because it's all new jewelry. They keep some from the past, obviously, but they have all new pieces. And I've got my hands on several of them, and I'm in love with them. Guys, right now, if you host a Noonday Trunk Show between February 16th and February 28th, you could earn gifts from some of their partners over at Lindsay Letters and the Objects Enthusiast. And you could also qualify to be entered to win a trip to two to Austin, which that would be super fun. Guys, what you need to do is just contact your local ambassador to book a show today. If you don't have an ambassador, if you don't know someone who is an ambassador, which means they sell the products that Noonday sells, you can go to the page, Noonday Collection, and you can look for an ambassador in your area. Super easy. Go to NoondayCollection.com, click on the host page, put your zip code in, and they're going to hook you up with an ambassador. I've hosted trunk shows before. Uh, my ambassador's name is Krista Box, and she's fabulous. So I encourage you guys, contact your ambassador or find somebody in an area close to you that can host a show for you. Again, if nothing else, go check out their new line and check it out and see what you might need for yourself. Okay, back to my conversation with Sally. Okay, now I want to ask you what I ask everybody, and that <laughs> is, what are three things you're loving these days? Well, I, I know this is going to be a very basic, but I love my strong cappuccinos. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I meet my kids downtown at this coffee shop. I take different turns with them. And uh, I even told Nathan this morning, I said, where's the place that has the strongest coffee? I just can't wait to have a good coffee this morning. <laughs> so I do love my caffeine. And I, I've even put something on Instagram and got all sorts of corrections about why I shouldn't love caffeine. But um, that's oh. okay. I'm 63 and I love my caffeine. You're going to do it. So Nathan lives in New York City, but do your other kids live close to you? No, Sarah is finishing her degree at Oxford. And uh, my other daughter, Joy, is uh, finishing a master's degree in Scotland. And Joel has recently been in Cambridge in England and uh, is doing this uh, thing for this group in New York City and Nathan lives in New York City and I, I kind of overdid the vision thing in their lives I think <laughs> yeah they're like soaring you're like hey guys you can come home but no well, I love that 
but okay, so my second thing is um, I really love being with my kids. They all come home whenever they can. We make at least two times a year when they'll all be home together for at least a week. And um, I just finished that. And it's so fun to realize that God is doing so much more than you think. I mm. finally uh, realized that God said, Sally, I've got this. Just you walk with me and worship me and enjoy life every day and I'll take care of them. Because when they were home, I loved hearing them talk. They're all passionate about the Lord and about the kingdom and about their work and about the world and ideas. And I just sat and listened to them. And I, I loved that. I, it was mm. really fun for me to see whole people that actually came out of my imperfect house. <laughs> yes. And uh, then I have to say that uh, I do a lot of work, and you do too, I know. And I cook a lot of meals, and I take care of a lot of people. And so for me, coming away to a big city, because I've lived in a lot of big cities, is so much fun. Uh, you know, Nathan and I walked out this morning. I felt like a little girl in a china shop. And we went to my uh, little favorite French cafe here in New York City, and we pretended like we were adults and we ate a great meal. So <laughs> <laughs> I do love on occasion getting to more international type of cities and uh, all the food available and all the fun and I just soak it up. So I have uh, enjoyed that a lot this week or th this, this past 24 hours. <laughs> yes. New York City is actually one of my favorite places to visit. Aaron and I honeymooned there and then we've been oh. back several times and then we actually got stuck there. Um, just a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of the year, we were coming home from an international trip and all the planes were stopped. And wow. this was a Saturday night. I mean, we just, you know what it feels like. We just want to yes. get home and get yes. in your bed. Mm -hmm. And so our planes were canceled and they told us that we couldn't get out of there till Monday night. And so, oh, wow. so everyone's like, Oh, aren't you so excited? You're stuck in New York city. And I was like, yes, but I really <laughs> want to go home. And so, so we made the best of it and went to museums and mm. um, we we did the 9-11 um, memorial, which was the first time I had been there. Yeah, I've and, never been. Oh, golly. We went and we only had about two hours. And I say that you could spend about five hours in there. Oh, wow. I mean, I it, it was so it was it was wonderful. It was really well done. And, <laughs> you know, all of us who are were old enough at that time remember where we were when that happened and sure. so it was just it was really good so if you ever get a chance if you're back mm -hmm. you should go do that no i really want to do a trip sometime that isn't a ministry or job related uh, yes. sort of trip but uh no i i would love to go there yes so what what is coming up in the next year for you we just started 2017 we're about a month in what's coming up this year for sally uh, right in front of me is I have five national conferences, Renew My Heart, our, our mom's conferences that I love doing because I like women to get away and we have fun and we laugh and we giggle and we also, you know, just uh, go back to the Lord and say, how can I live a sustainable life and, and last well till I see Jesus? So that's coming up. I've got uh, conferences in five cities in the United States. And then I love that God has been developing my overseas ministry a lot. We have mm -hmm. several uh, movements in different countries where uh, there's small groups and small group leaders. So I'm doing an international conference in uh, near London, near Heathrow Airport, actually, for women awesome. in England and all over Europe. Uh, just the same kind of training and, and uh, inspiring them and giving them a time away. So I've got that. And I really, uh, I just finished a book that's coming out next fall. Are you it's serious? A, you just released a book. I know. How it does this even happen? <laughs> well, I already had that book contract uh, for next fall, and it was going to be reasonable. And 
then um, we talked to my publisher about this different book, and we decided to. My publisher said, "Well, let's just do it." And so I will never do that again. Oh my gosh, uh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't either. I really, I'm, I'm about ready to um, just take about a five year vacation. Yeah, you are. Yeah, but um, so I, I love all the ministry things coming up. But then I'm going to take a couple of weeks with my girls on their spring break. Uh, overseas in in March, and I can't wait because we're going to play and be friends and sip tea and act like adults. And so that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> what is your book that comes out in the fall? Uh, well, I had just written a book last year called The Life Giving Home, but this is about this is called The Life Giving Table, okay. and it's basically about discipling children and discipling your friends that you use the table that Jesus used the table so many times. He would he would uh, make fish for Peter mm-hmm. and then talk to him about investing in his kingdom. He would yeah. uh, uh, wash toes and, and feed bread in the Passover meal. And he would talk about the most important messages he ever had. And so it's about inviting people into feast mm. and then giving them a feast of heart and soul in the midst of it and how to use your, your table as a strategic place of influence. That's speaking the Ivy's love language around here. We we say things open up around the table and you yes. can have a lot of great conversations around food. It's one of our favorite things to do. Um, Okay, so I got your three favorite things and all about your kids and your next book. What are you reading these days? Do you even have time to read? Do you know, I don't have as much time as I would like to read, but uh, I do love reading. So even though I'm not reading them all, I have a stack of books that are waiting to be read and I read little bits of them. But um, I have an Elizabeth Googe book. She's an old English writer that I just kind of escape into. uh, And uh, I have so look up Elizabeth Googe and then. Okay. I have a new book that Nathan gave me, uh, The Monster. It's, there's going to be a Broadway play um, about it. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's The Monster Who Did Something or Another. The and, Monster Who Did Something. Yeah. Um, and then I have, uh, I like some Philip Yancey books. I'm reading one about prayer right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, reading a book that Tyndale sent me about uh, uh, a rabbi, the rabbi's thoughts. And so I, I just like dipping into lots of great people's ideas because it keeps me stimulated and it feeds my heart. Yeah. Can you read books when you're writing? I have to. I, I uh, But are they different genres than what you're writing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I have to keep having my quiet times because I, I want my books to be fresh and not mm-hmm. just uh, old messages. And um, so I'm, I'm trying hard as hard as I can to be consistent with quiet times, even if it's five or 10 minutes a day. And uh, then I, I do try to read books that I think are people who have thought deeply or more deeply than me. Yeah. And feed my soul. And then I have to just do some fun things too. So I love I'm looking that. for some great movies. If you, if you know of any great movies you've seen lately, let me know. Cause movies are also a fun thing for me to escape into. I was just telling someone the other day, I don't remember the last movie I went and saw. Oh, I know. It's that's like, how I feel right now. Yeah. That's, and, but I even just thought, I think I'm just going to get together with some girlfriends and go see a movie soon. That, that, that would make me so happy right now in my life is to go to the movie theater with some girlfriends. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the last movie that I saw. Sally, I am no help. I am no help at all. Um, <laughs> we both need to lighten up, don't we? We do. We do. I I love, oh, it was probably a movie. Oh, actually, I mean, I went to the movie over Christmas with my kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Our whole family did. Um, Aaron and I, when we were dating, went to movies all the time. It was like our thing. We go to dinner and a movie. And now, you know, four kids, super busy. It's like, if I want to go on a date with Aaron, I want to go someplace that we can talk. And so right, right. movie is like ever once in a while for us, even though we both love them. Mm-hmm. 
but well, I need to get out. But you'll be watching movies on your international flight, so you can yeah, catch up there. There I go. Yeah, yeah. I just need people to tell me what's the best one to see. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm kind of like that, too. Um, well, Sally, it has been such a joy to chat with you today. I um, am a fan of this book, and I'm excited for you and Nathan uh, and thankful for you guys for putting your words out there and being vulnerable with your story mm. um, because your vulnerability um, and you pointing all of us to the gospel is going to actually be such a breath of fresh air for so many women mm. um, in their parenting journey. So thank you so much for doing that. Oh, I so appreciate it. And I was so encouraged that you enjoyed it too, because I, I feel like um, those of us who walk this journey need to just feel like we have friends that are doing it with us. So, so that true. was my hope for it. Thank you so much, Jamie. Yes, yes. Um, and I will let everyone know where they can find you online and where they can get your books and all those kind of things in the show notes over at jamieivy.com. So Sally, enjoy Kathy Lee. <laughs> I certainly will. And if there's ever an opening, I'll say, and Kathy Lee, I know somebody who wants to interview you for a great podcast. You do that. That is the truth. <laughs> Kathy Lee needs to come on the happy hour. That is so fun. Um, okay. Well, thank you, Sally. Okay. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Okay, guys. I know that some of you adore Sally and you've been inspired and encouraged by her for years. And for some of you, that was your first time to meet her. I hope that no matter if you've known about her for years or if this is your first time, that you were encouraged and inspired by our conversation, no matter what stage of life you're in. Guys, I also want to thank another one of our partners for this show, and that is Ravel Publishing. Guys, the best marriages are not perfect. Marriage is about walking together through all of life's ups and downs, its challenges and triumphs. Collecting true stories from some of today's best writers, Don Camp invites you to reflect on the heart of marriage. With beautiful photographs and poignant prose, this collection is perfect for the good days, the hard days, and all the days in between. With stories from Crystal Payne, Lisa Jo Baker, Alexander Kirkendall, Holly Gertz, Shanti Fieldman, Renee Swoop, Richard Paul Evans, Kristen Welch, Mo Isom, and so many more. This book is one that you're going to want to pick up, The Heart of Marriage by Don Camp, and you can find that at Amazon.com. Guys, today's show is edited by Logan Garza, and the music is from Jason Poe. Next week, my guest is my friend, Julie Manning. Julie is a personal friend of mine that attends my church and loves Jesus with everything that she has. A few years ago, she experienced a traumatic heart failure, and God is continuing to use her health issues to draw her closer to Him and to allow others to love Him more because of her journey. You're going to adore her, I promise. Guys, tomorrow I'm heading to Houston to hang out with some fabulous ladies at Faith Bridge Church in Spring, Texas. I hope to get to meet some of you listeners there. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I will see you all next week.